We acknowledge the Aboriginal people of Victoria, the First Nations, and offer respects to Elders, both past and present. Welcome to a new podcast series for carers by Kinship Carers Victoria. With an eye to the forthcoming state and federal elections, KCV has released a log of claims for governments and potential candidates. Director of KCV, Anne McLeish, spoke about the organisation's campaign priorities. We've run campaigns in all um, elections, sometimes even paid attention to local elections, Bradley, since 2004. And the change there was that in 2004 we did a major national survey of grandparents. The survey results showed us that the grandparents had a wide scope of thinking about what's good for families. The results of that survey proved to us the wide scope of the issues that grandparents were interested in and that if we needed to make a change to those issues, we needed to address policy, law, regulation, practice, and we needed to open up the hearts of the people that we were working with. Now, that requires a lot of work, but when you look at the law and the regulation in particular, we discovered that we needed to address the laws of the land at state level and federal level. Just take the environment, for example. Um, People in 2004 were already very concerned about environment protection at that stage and were asking for us to get involved in arguing for much more stringent and much more robust federal laws to protect the whole of the Australian environment. And that's an important call for grandparents to make and one that we chose to take seriously. So since 2004, we have been involved in um, all sorts of election campaigns. We've revisited all the issues that were identified in 2004 and have been regularly reinforced since, and we decide which government we talk to about those issues. In Victoria, um, obligations are much more clear-cut because we have a lot of practice to do in, in Victoria. We're very active here. We actively support grandparents who are raising their grandchildren. So we, we have very detailed understanding of the practice here and we're able in Victoria to say a lot more about how we want the laws and the regulations to change, how we want the culture of the land to change, how we want people's practice to change. It's not so easy to have such a detailed view about what should happen at a federal level. Because of that, we were really pleased when the um, current federal government, the Liberal government, under the leadership of Liberal Senator Smith in Western Australia, structured a review, a Senate inquiry, into grandparents raising their grandchildren. Never before had we had such high hopes of a national government looking at this crucial issue. The review was wonderfully well conducted, with members from every party represented on the panel. We testified to the panel and we were very impressed by the calibre of empathy and detailed knowledge that each member of the panel had. The resulting report was likewise very worthy of any government to table. Therefore, you can imagine our huge disappointment when the government didn't respond to it for nearly two years. And then they only responded after a great deal of nagging from organisations such as ours. The response from the government was lukewarm. So that negative experience proved to us that we need to put even more pressure 
on federal governments of any political persuasion now and into the future. They need to be forced to think more clearly about a whole range of family matters, not the least of which is grandparents raising their grandchildren. What is KCV asking for in the federal log of claims? Well, we've got four main areas of um, thinking related to supporting rights for families, protection of rights for children, um, greater access for families to legal procedures and to have their rights protected through legal procedures, such as access to legal aid, and general support for families. One of the more controversial claims under the banner of general support for families is our call for the abolition of the cashless welfare card. We have um, examined what's been going on in regard to this initiative for a long time now and have decided that it is an infringement of family rights and more to the point is not going to work long term, let alone short term or medium term. So under each of those four areas, there are a number of claims related to general family support. CEO of Shepparton Family Care, David Tennant, discussed the current state of government and societal support for families and children. David, do we value parenting and caring for children sufficiently? No, I don't think we do. I think we've kind of lost our way a little bit on sending messages to families that say the role of a parent is an important thing for our society to invest in. Instead, we send messages to parents that it's more important for them to be planning to return to the workforce rather than looking after um, their very young children. Is government providing the necessary supports to keep children safe and give them the best chance in life? There are so many things that you need to do to make sure that kids get a really good launching pad. And it starts uh, right from birth, um, particularly when you're getting children ready for school. Uh, There are a whole lot of things the government does to try and facilitate access to um, those preparatory steps like kindergarten and so on. But unfortunately, over the last couple of years, we've become more stringent on what access we will allow to parents to support their children to participate in those um, preparatory activities for school and uh, we've doubled down in particular on those most vulnerable families. So if you're talking about ways in which you give children the best start, if you're not doing things that encourage and support families, particularly those who need more support, uh, to get their kids ready for school, then pretty much everything that happens from then on will be more difficult than it needs to be. There are a a number of ways in which um, you can provide support to vulnerable families. Some of it's financial. Um, A a lot of it is actually the messaging you send about how you value individual families' experiences. And unfortunately, at the moment, the message that we send to families that do struggle a little and require more support is that somehow their failures are their responsibility and mostly their fault and that they need to try harder. And I think as a caring society and one which is um, still generally a very wealthy community, we need to do better at saying to those families, we will give you what you need to make sure particularly that your children get a a, a best uh, and fair chance at a decent life. Does increasing the compliance requirements on people who receive benefits 
make the system fairer and more accountable? Look, in my view, it doesn't. Um, there, there are certainly ways in which you can uh, engage people um, mandatorily, so send messages to them that they need to be engaged with their community without making them feel as if all choice has been stripped from them and that if they don't behave in a particular way, then uh, there will be dire consequences. And I think at the moment in Australia we have those settings um, rather too focused on compliance and penalty than in sending messages about what's expected but then supporting people to get there. And, um, look, recently I had an opportunity to attend a conference in the UK um, at which the results of a five-year research study into welfare conditionality were released. And the messages were absolutely clear. If you focus too much on the things that people must do and then the ways in which you'll penalise them if they don't do those things, what you'll generally get from those people is more negative outcomes. But even within mandatory systems, if you actually give people a broad range of choices that respond and react to their needs and then support, encourage and even reward them if they do the things that you would like them to do more of, you tend to get more positive results. I don't actually think those types of outcomes are rocket science and I think a lot of this has to do with the, uh, the concept of othering people who are benefit recipients or people who require extra levels of support and we could do a, a whole lot better if we sought to include those people more. Should new start be increased? Yeah, look, that's the easiest question going in Australia at the moment from a policy perspective. We have for far too long, um, more than two decades, allowed New Start to just languish while um, costs of living have increased. And um, from a variety of perspectives, economic um, through to just basic issues of fairness, New Start absolutely has to increase. And at the same time that New Start has been languishing and forcing people who are um, receiving that, that amount for their joblessness, we've also moved parents uh, who are still looking after quite young children onto New Start as their primary income source. That makes absolutely no sense at all. Not only is it a, an amount of money that is at best subsistence living, uh, we're doing it to families at a point in time where they need more, not less, flexibility. And um, I work in a service agency. We have seen that play out through our casework. Um, people whose lives have gone from being um, moderately difficult to chronically in crisis all of the time. Um, women who have had to make choices, for example, about cancelling periodic payments for their no-interest loan because that's the only part of their budget that is um, discretionary in inverted commas. Um, so if we are pushing people who are looking after children into poverty, that's just dumb policy. And more generally, uh, the income that they're receiving on Newstart is just too low. The other important message to remember is that um, families are no longer uh, just um, the core unit that we've traditionally thought of them as being. They are, of course, much broader. Their tapestry is a lot richer than it used to be and sometimes even complicated. But things that encourage and, uh, and support families to communicate better amongst themselves not just when things are going well, but uh, especially when things are difficult, always produce better outcomes. 
Um, and so for those people um, who provide support, uh, particularly in the out-of-home care system, um, you know, kinship carers really are the glue that holds that system together and yet in many ways our system at the moment makes their lives uh, more complicated and it perhaps projects the difficulty within the system onto those people to provide solutions themselves. Uh, I personally don't think that's fair. I think we should be making the pathways and the glue that helps people through that maze much simpler than it is now. And uh, the messages need to, to be both warm and encouraging and supporting people who are uh, oftentimes making choices to re-engage with parenting at a point in their lives where they would, uh, they would rather be looking and thinking and doing things more for themselves than for others. Look out for the next podcast in this series, podcast number seven, to be published on the last Friday in October. This podcast series is made possible through funding provided by the Victorian Government's Department of Health and Human Services.